If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And while you guys are turning there, um, this is going to be a tough message for me to preach. But God laid this on my heart, and I need to preach it. And um, the title of my message entitled the need for soul winning boy do we need a lot of that nowadays don't we and last weekend when I was at camp meeting God had dealt with me on personally about soul winning and I had people pray over me and I God gave me a desire to win souls to Christ even though it's going to be a challenging thing, I still desire it because you never know who you're going to win over. And so there's going to be some things in this message that are going to be kind of hard to hear. But I just want to encourage you that I received it first. And there are things that God dealt with me and had to chastise me and things I had to repent. Amen. <clears throat> and so Mark chapter 16 so you all pray for me, and uh, we'll get through it all, all right? Uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 16. It says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That might seem very strong, but there's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the only door that you've got to go through to enter heaven. Any other way into heaven, you are a thief and a robber. Jesus Christ is that only way. And only through Christ can you be saved, and it's only through Him you can go to the Father. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You see, this has an application for us today. When we are filled, when we are born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, we then have that power to become his witnesses. What does that mean? That means we go and we start witnessing to others and telling others about Jesus Christ and what he has done for them at the cross. You see, this soul winning is the foundation of the Great Commission. Because each and every single one of you that is saved is the result of someone showing you your need for Christ. Amen? So we see that this is a great need, especially in our days. Charles Spurgeon had actually quite a bit to say about soul winning, and I do have some quotes I'm going to share with you. Charles Spurgeon, the first quote I came across was, Soul winning is the chief business of the Christian minister. It should be the main pursuit of every true believer. That's what he said. 
Uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Amen. He that winneth souls is wise. We see, we see here again that Charles Spurgeon, he writes another quote. He says, he says a church is a soul-saving company, or it is nothing. I want you to think about all these mega churches. Why do you think they're getting people in their churches? It's not really about souls, is it? It's about money, isn't it? You see, you got really two types of churches. Churches that only want your money and churches that really care about the lost. Unfortunately, we are in days and we are in very perilous times where there's not many churches that care about the lost. Amen. There's only very. I mean, it's a good chart. A good church is hard to find these days. Why? Because not many are willing to teach the truth. Not many are really willing to receive the truth. Amen. First Corinthians chapter nine verses nineteen through twenty-two. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, to them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. Here's the key part. I am made all things to all men, that I might, by all means, what? Save some. Does this mean that you should be going in every abominable place just to reach? No, that's not what it means. It means that sometimes you have to put aside your own, your own, um, Aspirations and your own, you know, your own dealings to reach out to somebody. Sometimes, see, when you take a look at Christ, there are times that people came to Christ, but Christ, but a majority of the time, Christ went to them. What I'm saying is that some we we always often think, well, maybe they'll come to us. That's not always true. We need to go to them. Why? Because that's what Christ did. He went to them. Sure, there were some that came to him. But most of the time, Jesus went to them to present the gospel. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 19 through 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. <clears throat> this is kind of where it's going to start getting a little rough. So you all hang on to your hats because it's going to be a little bumpy. Um, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18 to 19. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. What does that mean? God's going to hold you responsible is what that means. It doesn't stop there. Yet if thou warn the wicked 
and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, we see this again mentioned a second time in Ezekiel 33, uh, verse 7 through 9. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. And so, now I want to talk about that particular aspect, failing to warn the wicked. And it's going to be hard for me. Number one, to say, but also because I know very well this is what God dealt with me on. Charles Spurgeon said, Sleepy Christian, let me shout in thine ears. Thou art sleeping while souls are being lost. Sleeping while men are being damned. Sleeping while hell is being peopled. Sleeping while Christ is being dishonored. Sleeping while the devil is grinning at thy sleep sleepy face, sleeping wild demons are dancing round thy slumbering carcass and telling it in hell that a Christian is asleep. You will never catch the devil asleep. Let not the devil catch you asleep. Watch and be sober that ye may be always up to do your duty. Amen. Be watch, be sober. To back that up, James chapter 4, verse 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If God gives you an opportunity to witness to someone about his son Jesus Christ, and you don't take it, are you going to let that person die and go to hell? Jesus said to love your enemies. And when you miss an opportunity to witness to someone, you are not loving your enemies and you're not loving your neighbor. I will be the first to admit of anyone in this room. I will be the first to admit. I am guilty of this. And I say this so that you know that I'm not any better than you. I say this so that you know that I am just as human as you are. I had two I had two two situations in the past, two separate occasions. I could have given a gospel track. I could have told them about Christ. Both times I failed. You'd think I would have been able to give a gospel track to them, but I didn't. God had to convict me about this. He chastised me for it. I had to repent. But you want to know something? I'm up here because of God's grace. And God's grace alone am I up here. God forgave me for it. He gave me grace. And I'll tell you that if he did that for me, how much more will he do that for you? 
not trying to be doom and gloom, but the, but the thing is we do mess up at times, and there's going to be times that we're going to miss things. But God gives grace. Amen. He'll forgive you if you repent. Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 to 46. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and, the, and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 28. But I say unto you, which here love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. And verse 35 of Luke chapter 6, it says, But love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Now, again, as I said, I do want to encourage you that there are going to be times that we will mess up and fail. But you want to know something? When we fail, God is God will always succeed. When we're unfaithful, God is always faithful. Right. He promises, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. <clears throat> we may screw up. But you want to know that God is faithful to forgive. Amen. And he's able to give grace. First John chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. You know, he's able to cleanse you from even the failures that you have. John chapter 1, verse 14 through 17. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses. But what? Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No matter what opportunities you may have missed, God loves you. He does. But that won't exempt you from chastisement. You'll be chastened. But you know what? He chastens his kids because he loves you. He wants you to repent. Amen. Matthew chapter 21 Verses 28 to 31. But what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain to the will of his father. They say unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. 
let me just ask you all something. Whether it may be just not willing to help witness because out of fear, or if God's calling you to witness to somebody and you just say no, whatever it might be, are you that first son? Will you repent and go? See, it is better for you to say no and then repent and then go. Consider Jonah. What did God tell Jonah? He said, go to Nineveh and preach. You know what he did? He ran the other way. Because of his sin, his sin almost cost the lives of a whole bunch of mariners. But Jonah told the mariners to throw me overboard. It's because of me this, 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 that this has come upon you. So you know what he did? You know what? They threw him over. They threw him over. And God prepared a fish to swallow Jonah. And after three days and nights, Jonah repented. And God caused the fish to vomit Jonah out. And you know what? Jonah repented. And guess what? He did exactly what God wanted him to. You see, the grace. See, God will give you grace. He will forgive you. He will give you grace. But there are consequences to how we do things. And those consequences we have to we have to live with. But God will give you the grace to move forward. Amen. So speaking of Jonah, now we're going to go on to warning the wicked. We kind of pretty much sum that up, so I won't say much. I'm just going to read the scripture to you. Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 10, it says, And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed the fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came on to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. And he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, nor uh, nor beast, herd or nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. You want to know something about this? If God tells you to go witness to somebody, you do not know what's going on in that person. God could very well have prepared that person to receive Christ. We don't know. And I'll, I'll tell you what. The times that I messed up, I did it because of the fear of man. How do I know that God didn't prepare those two? But you know what? Again, God has forgiven me and has given me the grace to move forward. Amen. Now we see here John the Baptist. He warned Herod. Okay, Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do shew forth themselves in him. For Herod 
had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. You see, John saw what Herod was doing was wrong. And you know what? He was bold enough to stand up to him and say, You can't do that. That is wrong. And you know what? That actually did not help. Because you realize when Jesus was in front of Herod, Herod inquired something of Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? He was silent. It's a dangerous place to be in, guys. Herod didn't get anything from Jesus. The word of God stood silent. And yet he had John the Baptist and he didn't listen. Now, the last example I want to get into before you move on. Samuel warned Saul. And Saul was first king of Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 16 to 23. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. That's what Samuel said to Saul. Boy, did he have a backbone. You know, that's what I desire to have. I don't know about you all, but I desire to have a backbone. But just think, what if Samuel didn't confront him? What would have happened? We don't know. We do know from Scripture that Samuel did confront Saul. He said, and you know what the sad part was? When Samuel confronted him, Saul lied about it. He flat out lied. He said, yes, I obeyed the voice of the Lord. No, he didn't. See, I think Saul lied because he knew he was in trouble. He got caught. But you know what? The end of Saul ended up having him to consult a familiar spirit and then falling on his sword. And you know what? It was shortly after this, God told Samuel, I want you to go anoint another in my stead. I want you to anoint another king in his stead. Not my stead, his stead. One that I will show thee. But you know, Samuel was concerned that if Saul found out, he was going to kill him. So God told Sam, go take a go go take a sacrifice, go to the house of Jesse, and I'll show you who, who you should anoint. So 
you know, even in the midst of that fear, God comforted them and said, go and, and go, go and do. I'll be with you. So I want to encourage you that whatever things that you may, that God may tell you, he's always with you. He will always be with you. He'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. Um, <clears throat> now I want to get to the biblical order to soul winning. Um <clears throat> Mark chapter 6, verse 7 through 13. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, And what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment for that than for that city. Now why do I say this? I say this because um, actually I'm not done yet. And they went out and preached that men should repent. Okay, just two by two, they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil the many that were sick and healed them. So here's why I read this. Because any time in a church setting, if they go out door knocking, or they go out street preaching, but let's take door knocking, it should be by the minimum of two. And why is that? It's two because that's what Jesus sent them out by. You could have more, but Jesus, but you need a minimum of two, you and somebody else, which is a picture of a lot of things, that you're not alone in this life and you need your brothers and sisters to help you. Now, when, you, when, 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 they, when people go out to street preach, when a church goes out to street preach, typically... It's going to be very unfavorable now. I'm just going to say it. It really should be done by men. Why? Because a, a woman cannot be pastor, according to 1 Timothy 3. And I, th I think it's a Titus chapter. I think it's 1 or 2, and I can't remember. It's one of those. But a woman cannot be a pastor. So if a woman can't be a pastor, what makes anyone think that a woman has a right to go out and street preach? You know what I'm saying? Now, I can be wrong, but really, street preaching should be left up to men. And in this day and age, I've, I've seen churches go out and street preach. It's probably best that men do it because there are a lot of people that get aggressive and you don't want to put any, any woman in harm's way. Now, <clears throat> here's why I say that you should go by twos. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. This is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. If you go out door knocking by yourself, not going to be very effective because it's just you. But if you have somebody with you door knocking and handing out tracts, there's two witnesses, which makes it more believable. Versus just one. Think about this. How many witnesses does it take to send someone to the death penalty? Well, according to the Bible, two or three. 
in Deuteronomy chapter, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6. It says, At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of only one, but at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. Amen. So if it takes two or three witnesses, then you know that God's going to have two or three witnesses when witnessing. Amen. God speaketh yea, God speaketh once, yea twice. All the New Testament. Um, <clears throat> now, as per street preaching, there's got to be an order to that. You can't just have like two, three people just preaching all at once. It's chaotic. Amen? There's got to be an order. And God is a God of order. In First Sec... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 27 to 33. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course. You know, does that, you know what that means? It means you take turns. See, typically when churches go out and street preach, that's what, that's what you should do. You have one who preaches for a little bit, then you hand it off to another. And the others that, fought, that came with it just... They hand out tracts and they pray with people and, and all that. That's that's the you know God is orderly. God will never do anything disorderly. Amen. God is the God of order. Satan, all Satan does is cause disorder. Amen. <clears throat> uh, and let one interpret, but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophet speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Amen. Now, here's the good news. We're, going, we're coming to our last, uh, to our last section. The need for soul winners. Why, why, why do we need? Why do we need people winning souls? Here's the answer. Second Timothy chapter three, verses one through five. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. In a sense, we need soul winners because it's a pretty bad world and people need to be saved. We live in a very wicked world. Think about, our go- think about all the wicked people in our government. They need to get saved. You know, some will say, "Well, let's take let's take up arms and, and let's let's uh, overthrow this government and let's let's take back our government." No, that's not the answer. The answer is for you to pray for your leaders so that they might get saved. Now, listen, God sets up kings and He puts them down. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I will tell you what will happen in the next election. God's will is going to happen. Whoever God wants in office and the presidency office is whom God has selected. Amen. He sets them up and takes them down. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 25 to 29. But first must 
He suffered many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noe, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noe entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and, and brimstone from heaven and destroy them all. So you see the need, why we need to soul win. Because of wickedness. I'll challenge you with this. If God gave you a chance to get saved, why shouldn't you give them a chance to get saved? You don't know what God's doing in their hearts. Only God knows that. But if God gave you a chance to get saved, we ought to give them a chance to get saved. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou... Son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou doest well among scorp, and thou dwellest, thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks. Though they be a rebellious house, and thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. So it doesn't matter if they're going to listen or not. Yeah, we, we all got to try to give them a chance. Amen. Because just see, Nineveh was so wicked. I'm I would probably think that what was going on in Jonah's head was they're not going to repent. But you know what they did, and God repented of the evil. You don't know. Again what God's going to do. That's why we got to give him a shot. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. Say unto them, as I live, live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his wicked way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? You see, God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked, amen? He wants the wicked to repent. It's not God's will for any to perish, but for what? All to come to repentance. Amen? That's why we need to give him a shot. And again, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Acts chapter 2, verse 21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, if you are a lost sinner and have a flesh and and struggle with sin and are dead in trespasses and sins, you are whosoever. All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say might. It says you shall. Amen. Think about this. When Peter was drowning, what do you say? Lord, save me. And you know what? Came down, 
Jesus came down, took Peter by the hand, and brought him up. It's very gracious. In the same way that Jesus helped Peter from drowning, he can save a lost sinner. That, that call upon him, amen? And it's nothing of any some sort of fancy prayer. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to repeat this or repeat that. It's just simply you crying out to God and saying, Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Amen? It's not complicated. It's simple. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <clears throat> Three more verses and we'll be done. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 to 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore of the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Laborers, soul winners. Amen. And the thing is, you can't win souls without the Holy Ghost. You must be born again. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Luke chapter 10, verses 2 through 3. Again, therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. See, that also comes to show you that we must try. We must extend an opportunity for people to be saved. Because you never know if those one of those wolves will get saved. Hey, I mean, you got Saul who was a Pharisee. God saved him. And he became Paul. Amen. And Paul was a very... I mean, he, 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 he was... A brilliant missionary. He was a brilliant apostle and a mighty man of God. But you know, he was like that because God took him and saved him, cleaned up his life, and, and worked on in his life. Amen. One more verse and we'll wrap up. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. And I want to say this in closing. Which one of you is the Lord dealing with? Maybe to improve on soul winning? Whatever it might be. And so, I just want to encourage you. Whatever the Lord's calling you or dealing with you about, you go before the Lord. Say, Lord, send me. Amen. Um, sister, if you want to come up, um, I want to have a, a moment of invitation, okay? And I just want to just let you know, if there's anything that the Lord is dealing with you on, if there's anything that God is working in your heart, please come up to these altars and take time to pray. Amen? Because it is better to get right and settle it now before you leave. Amen. Don't don't leave here and expect you'll just take care of it later. But now is the time. Amen. So anyone that wants to come up and pray may do so.